This is a podcast asking the very best in the world how to stay resilient. I'm Michael Bungay-Stanier, and we will get through this. Way back in the distant past, when I was starting work in this world, and in particular when I was starting to work in the world of change management as a consultant, I got given some books to read. And in fact, the very first change management book I got given was by a man called William Bridges, and it was called Transitions. And it was my first kind of formal understanding about what change looks like when we move through change. And his model, if I can remember it, was freeze, unfreeze, freeze. And I'm like, okay, that's powerful, A, because it's a metaphor, um, and B, because there's something interesting in those different states and also in those liminal moments between the states as well. So and just as an aside, I had this great moment not that long ago where I wrote the introduction to the reissue of that book, which is a very thrilling moment for me personally. That's one form of transition. There's a there's another one that comes to us all, and that is death. And I know very little about this experience. I've never I, I've had people in my family, my kind of extended family, like my grandparents die, but I've not had anybody within my nuclear family die. I've not sat with somebody as they've died. It's, it is a mystery to me. And when thinking about this topic of we will get through this, understanding transition and understanding personal transition, understanding ritual, and perhaps being willing to move towards rather than away from death, I thought would be a really interesting topic. I found somebody fantastic to talk to. I'm excited to introduce her to you. Sarah Kerr is a ritual healing practitioner and death doula whose work supports the living, the dying, and the dead. She offers online trainings and mentors emerging death doulas. She also facilitates private and public healing rituals and regularly presents on topics of death midwifery and holistic death care. Sarah has a PhD in transformative learning and a master's degree in environmental studies. Her doctoral research explored the ways that modern Western people can restore and recreate meaningful rituals for the significant transitions of life. She's been a student of spiritual and shamanic healing modalities since the year 2000. So Sarah, thanks so much for being here. It's lovely to be here, Michael. Thanks for inviting me. And Canadian as well. So we even get the Canadian content in. So that's fantastic. Indeed. I'd love to start by, you know, knowing that this is your, your focus of your doctoral work. What is the role of ritual in transition? Why is ritual so important? One of the ways I like to describe it is that ritual helps keep body and soul together. Mm. And transitions, the way I see it, happen almost at two different levels. There's the outer physical world transition. You finish a job, you start a new job, you are diagnosed, someone you love is diagnosed with something serious, someone dies suddenly, all the many, many transitions we can think about. They happen in the physical world. And sometimes they happen fast. And sometimes even if we're expecting them, they feel fast. But that's the outer world timing. That's kind of the body timing in a way. Right. But there's a soul timing. And our soul moves more slowly. And Often people say, I just can't believe this is happening. It's, it's not real. That's a sense where the soul hasn't caught up to what is happening in the physical realm. And one of the things that rituals do is slow things down 
And they're a kind of soul medicine to help the soul catch up to what's happening, to bring it up to speed. So you come through it in one piece instead of leaving half of you behind. And we know what that looks like when people are still stuck back in the old world. They haven't been able to move forward yet. Rituals help do that. That's a, that's a wonderful definition. When you say soul, what, how do you describe what that is? You know, I leave that definition open for people to mm. input as they would. But I remember having a conversation with my seven-year-old niece about that 10 years ago. And she said, what's the soul? I was like, okay, how do I describe this <laughs> for a seven-year-old? And I said... Right. Or a seventeen-year-old, or, or a twenty-seven-year-old, because we're all we're all grasping after it a little yeah. bit. I said, "Well, you know, when you love someone, you don't love them because of how tall they are, or how short they are, or what color their hair is. You love something else about them." Right. That's the soul. So that, to me, is it's it's the essence of who we are. It's our inner world. It's our spiritual dimension. Insert whatever works for you in that dimension, but right, it's in that zone. And what's, what is the nature of a ritual? I mean, that's, you know, it's a word that I've heard a lot and I, I, I grasp after the definition of that. I'm probably a little closer to ritual than I am to soul. But I'm, I'm, how do you think of, as somebody who creates and facilitates people through ritual, how do, you, how do you think of it? A ritual is an action that means something at mm-hmm. its most basic. Yeah. So uh, a wedding ritual is a lot of activity <laughs> around this moment of putting a ring on someone's finger right. and saying the words, I do. Nice. Like that, at a sort of, again, it's inside, outside. At an outside level, that's not really a very big thing. But it's so imbued with meaning, and our soul is a part of us that responds to meaning. That's right. the action. So when you end a relationship and you take a piece of jewelry the person gave you down to the river and throw it in the river. Right. That's an action that means something. So it can be from the smallest to the largest, but it's, it's something that has a symbol and the symbolic action is imbued with a lot of energy and meaning. And it, it generates a shift at the bigger levels. You know, part of why it's so fantastic that you mentioned the wedding ritual is today happens to be my 25th wedding anniversary. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. I know. It's like a pretty cool achievement to yes. well, whatever, piece of luck and hard work to get to get here with my wife. So as soon as you said that, I flashed back to getting married in Oxford together 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty wonderful. Death feels like it... it traditionally has had the most sort of well many rituals built around it but but for me anyway as a a secular man fewer rituals that i understand now how do you help prepare um people who are not dying but are close to somebody who is dying How, how do you help them walk that particular journey my clients tend to identify as you know in broad terms spiritual but not religious Mm-hmm. They understand there's something sacred in this journey, and they may have religious tendencies in different ways, but they often don't have a really formed um, set of ritual structures. What religion offers is a ritual pathway. Right. When someone is ill or all the things that religion serves, it says, do this and then do this and then do this and then come and make these prayers and these offerings. Right. So people are looking for that, but they don't necessarily want it in the language of a mainstream religion. 
Mm-hmm. And so we connect with whatever they find sacred, nature, art, compassion, beauty, insert whatever is, is the thing that holds meaning for them. And rituals are all based on a similar structure, which is a death, a transformation, and a rebirth. An ending, right. an in-between liminal zone, and a beginning. And so that every transition has that. You leave what was. You're in the in-between where you've kind of got one foot in both worlds and it's uncomfortable and you're not sure where you are. And then you move into the new. And when some, so your question to when I'm supporting someone who has someone in their world is dying, yeah. we identify what's, what's leaving and what's the hardest thing to let go of in this very moment. So maybe it's, I'm having to let go of our dreams together. He was going to retire in a year. We were going to travel. I have to let go of that, right? Or whatever it is they have to let go of. And then we create some ritual action that allows their soul to come to terms with the fact that that is gone Mm. and to let it go. Because only when you let it go, can you then move on and be available for the next part of the process. This is really helpful, Sarah, because I can see that structure, both the specifics you're talking about, but the one, two, three, you know, complete move into a liminal space and then move to that next stage it's not just that's a structure for ritual for all sorts of transformation and all you know personal like married divorce whatever um as well as the the somebody dying as well yes and that is that is the structural nature of ritual and ritual applies to all those sorts of things so it's actually built into the the two meet each other perfectly and of course all through history Rituals have been how we've met things, but we've kind of lost them in this world because we get a little fixated on the physical and the outer and the visible and the tangible. Mm. And we don't necessarily have a language to deal with the inner and the invisible, the sensate, the intangible, the soul. You know, if I look at myself and I look at me trying to move through transition myself, I notice that I grasp after the new (laughs) perhaps before I've let go of the old. Like I feel that, I mean, uh, a, a year ago or thereabouts, I stopped being the CEO of my company. Somebody else came in and, and took it over and she's doing an amazing job. But it put me in a position of transition to going, okay, I'm, I'm moving from being identified with Box of Crayons and identified in that role as the founder to something else. And it's a really interesting liminal time. You know, I kind of love it, hate it, love it, hate it, <laughs> you know, all of that. And I'm realizing that there's a way that I probably haven't fully completed. I, there's been no ritual about me, my departure from Box of Crayons. Um, and I'm, how do you help people step, pause around what are we losing here? What's, what's dying, whether that's something that's literal or whether it's something, you know, more intangible? Oh, so many juicy threads to go down in what you just said. I know. (laughs) It's Um, a a juicy conversation. Well, to begin with, just to to remember that liminal comes from the word limen. And limen is the piece of wood in a threshold of a doorway. Right. So when you're in a liminal space, you have one foot in one room and one foot in another room. And it's a kind of bifurcation. It's not Mm. comfortable. And there are lots of images of that, you know, the the trapeze bar where you've been on one and you let go of it. And before you grab the next, there's this moment of hanging in the air. <laughs> right. And it's agonizing. 
Now, it's hopefully on the trapeze, it doesn't last long, but in life, it can last a long time. And the other image that I love is the butterfly. So a caterpillar goes into the cocoon. It completely dissolves before the butterfly. It has to turn to goo. It has to come undone. So that coming undone stage is a critical part of it. And people who try and jump, and it's natural. Coming undone is uncomfortable. It's natural to jump from old to new and skip hard, messy, in-between zone. Yes. But you cannot become a butterfly until you let the caterpillar completely die. The, the phoenix has to be burned down to the ashes before something new can be evolved. And so I help people with that by sort of activating the classic say goodbye ritual, which is a funeral. And mm-hmm. so sometimes you need funerals for different things in your life. And a funeral is a goodbye to this person as they were alive in a body in your life. And the beginning of the in-between stage of grieving and transforming that, but the beginnings of a hello to what's a new relationship. How do I stay in relationship with my memory of this person? What's my life going to be? So sometimes that sort of archetypal energetic pattern of a funeral, which is a fully witnessed community supported grief rich goodbye ceremony is very cathartic and it lets us actually move on. So we have funerals for all sorts of things, you know, not to say call them that, but it's the same idea. That's interesting. Now, one of the, I don't know much about the whole caterpillar butterfly thing, but my belief is, and you'll know this better than I, um, you know, when what allows the butterfly to start rebuilding itself because you know, it's it's. I love I love I, that's an, one of these amazing transformations. Because you kind of think the caterpillar kind of goes in and kind of shrugs itself out of its caterpillar suit and puts on its butterfly suit, but it doesn't. It goes becomes goo. But what I think allows it to regrow is something called imaginal cells. So there's a kind of some essence of the butterfly that then starts reconstructing itself around the goo and rebuilds the butterfly out of the out of the goo. I'm curious to know if there is always something that you take from the past into the future, if that's part of the transition. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, you that, can oh, say, that's Michael, a that's question. a ridiculous question. Back no, up. But, yeah. No, no, um, Everything in life has lessons to teach us. Even mm. the hardest, most awful, most difficult things we would never voluntarily choose to bring into our lives as well as the most amazing fulfilling satisfying experiences we have right the uh the factor which determines whether or not we're well i guess we always bring things from the past into our future if we bring them in a healthy functional resilience building useful way or not is the question and if we can integrate the loss and do the hard work of grieving and saying goodbye and coming to terms with and, and making meaning of, and this is you know, in the language of PTSD even is in here. How do we really come to terms and find a way to hold what we've left? If it's hard right. and if it's good, then we can move into the next phase stronger and more capable. If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. You know, we know mm-hmm. this. If, if we're not supported and we don't have the resources and we don't have all the things we need to come to terms with what we're leaving 
And that may be as simple as a really rich, uh, meaningful retirement party. Right. Right. That honors what the person's been, what they've offered, it lets them say something, you know, it has all the components of that. You can kind of put that to bed and then you carry with you from it the learnings and the, the um, capacity, the growings, but not the, um, the unfinished business because that's yeah. not so useful to carry into the next stage. This is, this is fascinating. I, one of the phrases you, you, you said that, that struck a chord with me and I'd love to ask you about it is, what does it take to grieve well? When, when something happens in our life, when there's a loss of anything, and you know, I've said it a number of times, when you get married, there's the loss of the single person. Yeah. Right? So, but well, let's talk about losses that are really hard that you, you wouldn't have cho- chosen. We get sad, right? And sad is a state. Grief is how we respond to that state. It's an action. Right. Sad is a feeling. Grief is an, Grieving is an action. It's like oh, hunger is a feeling. You feel hunger. The action is eat lunch. Mm-hmm. That's how you resolve it. You feel sad or grief. The the way to resolve it is to grieve, is to take an action. And it's it can look like lots and lots of things, but it's primarily a soul-based action. And our soul responds to things like nature and community, being witnessed, being seen, beauty, art, animals, right. the body, um, movement, exercise. To actually do things to move the grief through you. I studied with um, traditional healers in Peru, and they have an understanding of something called hucha. And they understand hucha to be like a thick, tarry, black energy in our body. And it's a byproduct of being human. We have experiences, Mm -hmm. we have losses. We kind of accumulate this hucha. And you have to clean it out every once in a while. Like you brush your teeth or you get your teeth cleaned. And... Grieving is the act of cleaning it out. So ritual practices, journaling, therapy, a thousand different things. But it's not just sitting and waiting. It's acting. I love that. That's such a powerful insight for me that, you know, if sadness is the feeling, grieving is the active response to that, that allows that sadness to be kind of honored and also processed at the same time. And it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Grieving means you really have to feel the sadness. And I think often people think, oh, you know, we live in a culture that doesn't like discomfort. So they try and distract themselves out of good intentions. They think that's going to make them feel better. But actually, it's actually feeling it, going through it. That's the act of grieving, going through it until it doesn't break you open anymore. Sarah, we've been talking about personal transitions, both witnessing others and, and going through them ourselves. My sense is that some of this wisdom can also apply to a more collective transition as well as a kind of a team or an organization or a society moves from one phase to another phase. How, how does this, these insights kind of scale up? Well, I think that's a huge part of it. And we're at such a, a challenging, exciting time to be alive in the world <laughs> right now. Yes. One of my teachers, Joanna Macy, says, 
we're midwifing the death of an old culture at the same right. time. Sorry, hospicing. Hospicing the death of an old culture at the same time we're midwifing the birth of a new one. And being born and dying are both really difficult processes. They're not comfortable <laughs> right. for anybody. And one of the reasons I do the work I do, I came into this work from uh, a social justice, uh, social change background. And I really came to understand that we don't, as a culture, know how to let things go. We mm. want them to keep growing, keep going up, company profits. We don't like the idea of aging. We want this sort of continual upward trajectory. But that's not how nature works. And we're part of nature. You know, winter follows summer. Things have to come right. down. We have to learn how to let go. It's more a spiral. We let go, something new is born. We let go of that, and the new is born. So my work with families and, and individuals, and I often don't say this to my clients because it's not what they're interested in, but for me, it's really about teaching people these skills of what it is to be able to let go of what has gone instead of holding on to it. And I think we're facing that at a huge level as a culture. This way we've lived in terms of how we live on the earth, how we live with the earth, our treatment of other people, it's, it's not going to last. We can't mm -hmm. keep going this way on so many fronts. We have to figure out how to let it go. And it hurts because there's been some nice stuff, but we're going to have to let it die and realize that after a death, there is a rebirth. People don't, I think, have that, you get a taste for that if you've done it a few times. Right. I think that's the place we're in. What what sort of ritual do you imagine might work at that more societal level? How do you ritualize this process of transition? You know, um, when someone's dying, it's not just one ritual. You need a whole right. sequence of ritual practices that walk you through the ending, the letting go, and then the slow rebuilding of the new. And so likewise, there isn't a ritual for this. Mm -hmm. But there are lots of, lots of rituals that we could use. And I think about some of the rituals around species that are going extinct and saying goodbye. Like when the last, there was, there's a herd of caribou in southeastern British Columbia, and the last two died last year they were killed by cougars oh. and it was it was documented a friend of mine's filmmaker did a piece on it i mean what a heartbreak this is yep. a species that roamed these mountains and the mining and the logging and so a ritual of grief to say wow we as humans were part of this we're sorry and and goodbye we honor your ending you mattered that not only i think is in service to the caribou to the land but it's in service to us because we get to feel the heartbreak that's around us every day. I mentioned Joanna Macy, who's been an important teacher of mine, and she has a practice called the work that reconnects. And I right. would say if people are interested in that, she has amazing rituals around allowing us to say goodbye. Right now we're in the saying goodbye stage. We also have to start the seeds of the new, but we can't see the new yet. We're still in the right. end of the old, in the uncomfortable part. And we need to grieve it and feel and witness what's being lost. Sarah, I've loved this conversation with you. It feels like I need to finish it now. <laughs> this, is the, this is the ritual because otherwise it's going to take another four hours for us to get through yes. all the conversations we can have. We've only just touched on so much and you've pointed us to, in so many interesting ways. 
there will be people who want to find out more about you and your work. Where can they find you in the world? My website is soulpassages.ca, S-O-U-L-P-A-S-S-A-G-E-S. I uh, offer distance sessions for individuals all over the world, um, as well as locals here in Calgary. And I have some online trainings and resources and courses about how to navigate different deaths and transitions in your life. So people can find me there. I've also got an active presence on Facebook and on Instagram and put out regular videos. So you can find me on YouTube too. All of those you can find through my website. And we'll have those in the show notes as well. Sarah Kerr, it's been really lovely to talk to you. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks very much, Michael. I've really enjoyed it. Hey, it's Michael here. Two things before you go. The first is a gift. The second is a request. The gift I want you to go to mbs.works and hunt down the year of living brilliantly. Really, it's some of my best work because it is a 52-week, 52-teacher, absolutely free video-based course where I spend a lot of time curating some of the smartest people I know and saying, teach me the best of what you've got. If you're looking to really step up, to have a year that's just a little bit sweeter, a little bit better than the year you've just had, that is a terrific resource. So please go and check that out. Absolutely free, no obligation, nothing required other than for you to sign up and get going on it. And then for the request, I just want what every podcast host wants, which is a little bit of love. So if you'd consider going to iTunes or Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast platform is and giving the podcast a bit of a rating and a bit of a review, that would be amazing. Thank you.